All right, well, we're going to jump into the, the Word of God. So why don't you get your Bibles and turn with me to um, Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Uh, and we're in a series of messages. And thank you, Kirsten, so much for helping me. And uh, I'm Pentecostal, so a little music underneath. I feel more spiritual. And um, yeah, and so I'll either give an altar call or take an offering if she keeps playing. So, but anyways... Um, but anyway, so Judges, Judges chapter 6. Grab your Bible and go to Judges chapter 6. And we've been in a series of messages that was just simply called Hearing God because it just, that's just what we're talking about. And I want, you, um, I want you not only to hear from God, but I want you to, to, to easily understand for everybody watching, what are we talking about? It was so cool. I was in a, a store, actually. You can go in stores now. And... Um, I was in a store checking out, and, and this uh, very sweet lady said, you know, hi, Pastor. And she said, you know, the other morning, God woke me up, uh, like in the middle of the night, I just woke up, and I just felt like God wanted to speak to me. And she said, and so I got up, and I said, like, God, what, what, do, you, what, do, you want, what do you want to say? And she said, I just felt like I should listen to your podcast. And with all the video stuff, I never think about the podcast. So, um, and she said, I turned your podcast on, and it was uh, Stop Collaborating listen, uh, which was the first message in the Hearing God series. And she said, God just began to speak to me through that message. And I was like, that's incredible. And she said, I just want to encourage you. I love encouraging words. Does anybody like encouragement? Let me tell you how you know someone needs encouragement. If they have a pulse. So if they have a pulse, they need encouragement. If they don't have a pulse, it may be too late for it. But if they have a pulse, they need encouragement. And that was very encouraging to me. So um, all right. So we're talking about hearing God and uh, Pastor Joel joined us last week, um, and uh, he I thought he has a great message just on talking about hearing God, but I want to jump in today, and, and I want to talk about something that, um, that I think will be very helpful, and it's really something that a lot of us are familiar with, but I want to give some clarity to it. And so we're in Judges chapter 6. Now, what's going on in Judges chapter 6? Um, judges chapter 6 is the story of Gideon. Gideon was one of the judges over Israel, so um, a Essentially, Joshua leads the children of Israel into the land of promise, the promised land. Um, and then when he dies, um, Israel needs leaders. And so God begins to raise up judges who would lead Israel. And a lot of that was military, like lead them in, in battle. Um, and they're over the next 330 years after Joshua, they're about 330, 350 years. Uh, there's some overlap and some say close to 400, some say three. One guy was very specific and I actually liked him. I was doing some study and it's like 336 years. And so anyways, we're going to say uh, about 350 years. There's 15 judges over Israel. And uh, Samuel is the last judge. Uh, Gideon is the fifth judge. So there's Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar. Those, by the way, if you're looking for baby names, here's you know Othniel, Ehud, uh, Shamgar, and then Deborah, girl power. And so it's always amazing to me when people say that females can't be leaders. I'm like, well, God made a woman a judge in the Old Testament. Like, read your Bible. And so, um, anyway. <laughs> So anyways, then there's Gideon. We'll get to Gideon. <laughs> uh, Gideon is the fifth judge. Um, and and where, we, where his story begins is uh, the Bible says this, now Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. That means they turned away and did not. Here's what God calls evil, not trusting him, trusting in something else. And essentially that was what uh, Israel was guilty of. 
so many times. And so they, they did evil in the sight of the Lord, meaning they turned away from God. They didn't trust in him. And so when we don't, you know, if you, the Old Testament, how many of you know there's types and shadows in the Old Testament? So the New Testament is the Old Testament, or the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so some people look at this because it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So God let the Midianites come and basically torment them. And, and a lot of people say, well, God is not good. He is not merciful. It's the same, it's the same principle. When, when I don't trust God, I open myself up for the enemy. Same principle today. In any area of my life where I'm not trusting God, where I'm not sheltered in him, where I'm not in compliance with his word, when I choose to, to be outside of, of his parameters, it always exposes me to the attack of the enemy. And so that's exactly what you see here. They, they, they didn't trust God. They got outside of the shield that is God. They got outside of who God is and, and, and his statutes, precepts, commands, however you want to look at it. And because of that, the Midianites come. And so for seven years, uh, the Midianites, I don't know, have you ever seen the movie The Bug's Life? Yeah. So remember how the, grass, the ants would store the food and the grasshoppers would come and take the food? Okay, that's, that came from Judges chapter 6. Same thing the Midianites are doing is that every harvest season, the Israelites would start harvesting their grain and all that. And then the Midianites, along with the Amalekites and some others, would come and just pillage all of their harvest. And they were starving. Essentially, they were hungry. And so we find Gideon is actually threshing wheat or grain in a wine press, uh, meaning he's inside this wine press instead of outside because he is hiding from the Midianites, and he's also hiding his grain from the Midianites. And then the angel of the Lord appears to him, which uh, most any theologian is going to tell you they believe this to be Jesus in the Old Testament, which we have a big, like, $10 word for that. It's called a Christophany. Christophany. Yeah, put that in the chat. Christophany. This is the spelling bee, church spelling bee. Can you spell Christophany? Uh, and so we're going to pick up here in Judges chapter 6. And it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, time out. What you need to know about Gideon is he was cowardly. Um, that's why he's hiding in a wine press with his grain. Like he does not want conflict. Okay. He is conflict avoidant. Isn't it great how God many times will pick the, the areas where we are the weakest and want to work in that area? I think Paul has some words like where I am weak, then he is Right. Like here, here's a good word. When you're asking God to work in your life, expect him to work in the places where you don't want him to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because we always want God to work in our strengths. And God's going to pick the places where we're weak, where we're uncomfortable, where, where, where we're like, please not here. I don't, I can't trust here. This is not how I want to follow you. Like I'd rather do this, you know, and, and then God wants you, no, we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to do this. One. And so anyways, behold, mighty man of valor, Gideon said to him, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to a great question there? Have we not all like, is this not believing God 101? You come to this question, God, if you're with me, like, what in the world? You know what I'm saying? And so uh, Gideon had the same question. Um, and so, um, and he said, where are all your miracles, which the fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, 
and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I love reading that text because if I were getting, I'd be like, I don't know. Is that what this is about? You know, it's like, anyways, but God's saying, I, I, I sent you. So he said to him, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, look at this. Here's great, great. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. God always, always picks the least to do the greatest works. Like, if, I, I love because so many times people, however you would try to disqualify yourself is the very reason why you were qualified. Yeah. Right? And said, I'm the least in my father's, and, and the Lord said, remember David, King David, he was the least. And the Lord says, surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, now, if I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. Put that in, put that in the chat. Show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I'll wait until you come back. Now, I want you to think about what's going on right here. Gideon's like, show me a sign. And he's like, I'm going to go get an offering. Now, he's not going to get his checkbook. He's going to go get a goat and prepare it with some broth, right? Soup and right crackers, I don't know. And, and, and this, is, this is Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll wait on you. Like He's like, I want a sign, so I'm going to go, get a go I'm going to go catch a goat and kill it, prepare it. And this is what Jesus says. Think about this. He's not mad because he asked for a sign. He said, I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. Um, I think God has a lot more patience for us than we give him credit for. Um, and so go, Gideon went and prepared a young goat and some unleavened bread um, and it, with some flour, and some flour and the meat he put in the basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them back to him under the turnip with I never can say that, Turnabith tree, um, and presented it to him. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and then lay them on this rock and pour the broth over it. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Um, I call this message, I was using song titles, um, <laughs> and this one, uh, this is actually a Christian artist, DMX, Lord, give me a sign. That's what I call this message. Lord, give me, have you ever prayed that? Like, God, I think you're leading me, and I think you're speaking to me, but Lord, could you give me a sign? Uh, because what's incredible in this text is that Gideon asked for a sign. Then God is patient while Gideon goes to prep his offering. Um, and then if you continue reading, because this is where we get the famous fleece the Lord text. Right. This is where we get the famous Gideon says, OK, Lord, if it's you, I'm going to put a fleece out. And in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet with dew and the ground around it to be dry. And then God performs that. And then the next thing Gideon is like, now, don't be angry with me. But um, this time I am put the fleece out and I want the ground dry. I mean, the ground wet and the fleece dry. 
and God does it. And then God throws in a bonus sign. God actually gives him four signs. God throws in a bonus sign where he says, okay, Gideon, I know you're still a little bit concerned, so sneak down on this night, sneak down to the camp of the Midianites and just listen. And he hears the Midianites talking about a dream of this big old like loaf of barley that rolls into the camp, knocks down tents. And one of the Midianites said, this is the sword of the Lord and Gideon, and we are going to be defeated. And then Gideon finds like, okay, we're going to win. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Like God, God gives you a word. And then you're like, God, that's so good. Could you give me a sign? <laughs> God, that's so good. Could you give me another sign? And this is what I want you to understand. God so much wants you to follow his leading, his prompting, his word, that he'll actually speak it more than once. He'll confirm it. And so it's okay to say, Lord, give me a sign. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much, God, that you speak today, that we can hear. And God, as we're leaning into you and, and leaning into your word today, God, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. God, help us to see you, to know you, to hear you. God, we just want to follow you today. We want to follow you. And so God, teach us today from your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Give me a sign. I, here's what I want you to understand, because we're going to talk about confirmation. We're going to talk about God confirming his word. Lord, give me a sign. Um, it's okay to ask God for confirmation. And I think sometimes people say, well, you're, well, you're testing God if you ask him to say it again and again and again. I think it's all about the heart and the motive. Because, I, you know, I mean, God is testing God. Yeah, if you're like, well, God, if you really want me to be a missionary, then I need to win the lottery. I mean, obviously, that's dumb, you know. So you're not going to manipulate. You don't, you don't try to set up a, a fleece, if you will, that's getting you something. You, I mean, that would be silly. But Gideon's heart was like, God, I really need to know this is you. Why? Because I, a few minutes ago, or, you know, I'm, I'm just threshing out some grain in my wine press trying to feed my family, and now you're about to make me a general and send me off to war. And, and I think it was really good that Gideon had the confirmations that he had because God reduces this army of, you know, thousands, uh, tens of thousands, down to 300, and Gideon actually wins with 300 men. And so how much did he need those signs and those confirmations to go into battle with 300 men. And he got the ones, if you read, God finally takes them down uh, to the brook and, and he has, them, has the men drink. And the ones that lap up the water like dogs, that becomes his army. It wasn't the ones that drank like humans. <laughs> Just let it sink in. It was the crazy ones. Like he was like, no, the ones that get down on all fours and lap up the, the are y'all tracking with me? Y'all don't drink that way, do you? Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Everybody's like, I don't know. That's normal. No, it's not normal. And so he needed confirmation. It is okay to ask for confirmation. I think God is so gracious and God so wants us to hear from him that God will give you confirmation when your heart is right. And we see this with Gideon. I mean, essentially he gets a word. He gets four confirmations. Uh, let me show you this in the New Testament. Mark 16, 20. It says, and they, this disciples went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Look at this. And confirming the word. And confirming the word 
through accompanying signs. Uh, Matthew 18, 16, the words of Jesus. But if he will not hear, take, this is talking about conflict in the church. But if they won't hear, take one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word must be established. And you'll see that several times in the Old Testament. Paul actually says this is the standard protocol, standard operating procedure, two or three witnesses. And so God confirmed his word. God confirms his word. He establishes his word. And so it is okay. So, so it, here's the big question we're answering. How do I know I'm hearing from God? Like I'm hearing something. Maybe I'm writing it in my, my prayer journal, which by the way, everybody have your prayer journals next week, whether you're in person or online, uh, because I'm actually going to, I'm going to teach just a little bit. And then I'm going to go through what I, I call a lab. In other words, everybody's going to hear from God. That's what I believe. Everybody's going to hear from God. If you'll just come, we're going to do it together so that, so that I know, you know, and you know that I know, and we all know that God knows anyways. So it's, it's practice, right? We're going to put some application to it. But, um, but, but God confirms to us, but how do I know it's God speaking? So let me give you four, four, four ways that you can confirm that it's God speaking. So if you're saying, God, give me a sign. Let me give you four signs, four ways that God will confirm that he's speaking. Um, and the first one is this, God's precepts. God's precepts. In other words, the way that God works, his word shows us how he works. His word shows us and, and it shows us how he speaks. It tells us what he sounds like, but it shows us how he works. Um, Matthew twenty two twenty three. Jesus is having a conversation with the Sadducees. Um, and so there were, there were religious rulers, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and, and they were so religious, and like most religious people, they couldn't get along because the Pharisees believed in a resurrection, and the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see, because they did not believe, I'm sorry, these are the jokes, people. These are the preacher jokes, all right? They were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so um, it says that same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise the kinsman redeemer. In other words, raise up the offspring uh, for, for him. Now there were seven brothers and the first one died. They didn't have children. So the wife went, you know, was married to the brother. Same thing happened. Second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way to the seventh time. So this, this woman, this theoretical, this is, by the way, just... They're just trying to trap Jesus is all they're trying to do. And, and, uh, and so they're telling this hypothetical story about this, you know, why this lady who ends up married to seven brothers, they all pass away. There's no kids. And so they come to this verse 28. So then in the resurrection, cause they're, see, they're trying, they're all confused about it. Whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her? Now look at Jesus reply. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures. The fastest way to get off track Amen. is to not know the word of God, Amen. right? And so you're an error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, look at this. Have you not read? Have you not read? what God said to you. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and the God of Jacob. He's not a God of the dead, but of the living. Look what he says. Because they're sitting here, they're talking about doctrine. 
They're talking about a belief system. They're, they're talking about what they believe is the word of God. And this is Jesus' question. Did you not, did you not read the Bible? Right? How do I know if I've got a word from God? I don't know. Have you read the Bible? Does the Bible, because the word of God will never violate the will of God. And the will of God will never violate the word of God. They will always be congruent with each other. They will complement, they will confirm each other. And so if I believe that I have a word from God, but it is not, I can't back it up with scripture, then it, it may not, prob well, if you can't back it up with scripture, it's not a word from God. Here's what I would say. The Bible is the easiest way to confirm that you have a word from God because if it is congruent with scripture, then, then here's what I would say. What, what wrong could come from doing the word of God? Right? If it's congruent with scripture, then, then it's safe to do. You say, well, what if it didn't work? Well, if you're doing the Bible, even if it wasn't a word from God, it is a word from God. Amen. I mean, you've got a whole book of words from God that you can go do today. I just need a word from God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, you know, I mean, there's, are y'all, I, mean, I feel like that's good. I feel like that's helpful. I just, I don't know what to do. I don't have a word from God. <laughs> you know, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Go serve somebody. Go love your neighbor. You know, do you see what I'm saying? That you, you have a whole, sometimes we're sitting around on our blessed assurance thinking God hasn't told us anything to do when we got a whole book of things we can do. So, so, but, but if it's God's word, it will not violate his will. We have his will in scripture. And so, um, second Timothy three sixteen. look at this, look at this. It says, this is Paul talking to Timothy. It's one of the pastoral epistles. It says, all scripture is God breathed and useful. Look at this. All scripture is the breath of God, right? That's why uh, the writer of Hebrews would say it's living and powerful, because it's God's breath. It's his spirit. It's who he is. It's, it's useful. But look, it has some uses. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for whatever God's called us to do, for every good work. So, so the secret of being equipped to do what God's called you to do is letting the word of God work in your life. Knowing the word. Look at what he says. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. So here's what the word of God is. The word of God, first of all, is for teaching. Uh, that word in the Greek could also be, the, some versions actually say this, for doctrine. In other words, the word of God is how I form my belief system. So if I have a belief system that I cannot back up with the word of God, and let me say this, because today in our culture, you know, everyone's living their own truth, which means most people are living a lie because you're not the authority of truth. Amen. Truth is an abs if truth is not absolute, then it's not truth. By definition, truth is absolute. So the idea that everybody could have their own truth is really just to say everybody can live their own lie and call it truth to make themselves feel better, but in the end, you're just living your own lie because truth is absolute and truth is actually a person. Yes. I am the way the truth and the life. I mean, that statement alone, you could spend a year right there. He's the way. <laughs> he's the truth. He's the life. There's no life outside of him. There's no truth outside of him. And there is no way to the Father outside of him. 
I mean, Jesus, like, we sometimes make it real complicated. I just don't know. What's the way? Jesus. What's the truth? Jesus, right? Um, all right, anyways. And so, um, but, but doctrine, in other words, and so here's what he's saying. The Bible, this is why I need to know the Word of God. Listen, I need to know the Word of God because it is, it is the foundation of belief, not Oprah. Right? The Bible, and I'm not again, I'm not hating on Oprah because I'm like, oh, I love Oprah. You can love Oprah, but she's not, she's not the source of truth. The Bible is the source. Listen, I'm not the source of truth. I'm just, I'm just a human that God has asked to talk about his word and try to teach it. Right? I'm not the source of truth. So take anything that I say back to the Bible. Please do it. Please do it. Because the Bible is the source. Every belief system that I should have should come from the Bible. And it should come from the Word of God without me having to manipulate the Word of God to change the Word of God into what I want to believe. So, so it doesn't work when, when I manipulate the English version of the Word of God into what I want to, to believe. It only works when I take it in, here's, here's a key phrase, in context. In context. Um, so it's, it's it, for teaching. Then rebuking, testing or exposing error. So, so the word of God tells me when there's something wrong. When there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong in my heart, it tells me there is something wrong, all right? And then, and then for correction, in other words, it tells me how to get back on course. And then for training, to live righteously, right? So, so it, the, the word, think about this. Everything has to be based on the word of God. And when I'm getting a word from God, I want to go back to the word from God because God won't speak something now that he hasn't already said. Amen. And it's the best way to, conf- I remember when we were starting the church, um, I had met with a, uh, had the opportunity to meet with a very well-known pastor. If I said his name, everybody would know who he was. And, and, um, and so we were talking and he said, I hear that you're thinking about planting a church. Yes, I'm thinking about planting a church. And I believe it's God's will. And he said, do you have two words from the word of God to confirm that word? And I said, no. And he said this, don't, don't start till you have those two words. He said, because you'll need them in the first year because it's going to be harder than you think. And so I remember I waited. Like Pastor Joel was talking about that, I just waited. I'd go on prayer walks and say, okay, God, I'm not doing anything until you speak. I'm not doing anything until you speak. And finally, one morning, God spoke two words very specifically from the word of God that confirmed the word he had already spoken. And then I knew it was time to move forward. But the word of God confirms the word of God, right? Here's the second thing. So God's precepts, second thing, God's peace. Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Please notice in this verse that there, there are two things that are, that, are, that are on either side, right? There are two sides here. So, so notice this. There's peace and there's understanding. And they're not on the same side of the ledger. Right? They're actually opposing one another. Right? Do you see that? And the peace of God, which passes understanding. In other words, here's what he's saying. Um, You can have the peace of God without understanding. And you want the peace of God more than you want understanding. Do you see that? Kind of like trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
Because if it's a word from God, here's how you know it's a word from God, like, like Gideon. Gideon is about to go into battle. Going into battle is not peaceful, but he had peace. Right? So here's how I know it's a word from God. Because I can be peaceful even though what's going on around me is not, even though there's not peace around me. I can be peaceful even though I'm going into something that isn't peaceful. Right now, we as believers love to read this verse and we love to say, oh, Lord, give us the peace that passes all understanding. We just, lie, we just hate to not understand. And I found you can have understanding or you can have peace. You can't always have them the same. And, and here's another thing. Let me just, here's a pro tip. You, you can never have the peace that passes understanding until you don't understand. And so, so if you don't understand, you're a candidate for God's peace. And so many times we're trying to gain understanding. We should. God will give us understanding by the Spirit. But sometimes we don't understand. And in those times, God has given us peace that passes understanding. So God's peace can be a confirmation. Listen, this is one of the greatest confirmations to me uh, because this is something that goes on in here. And when God's speaking, it's like, in here I have peace. Out here, this does not look peaceful. This does not look like anything that I would want to do. But in here, this is my confirmation, right? I don't always say the peace of God is, usually the peace of God, I mean, God can speak through his peace, and we've talked about that, but the peace of God is always one of the confirmations I like. And it's usually one that you can sense because you can have that peace that pass understanding. Here's the third thing, God's people. So how do I know it's a word from God? Well, I have the word of God as precepts. Um, I have the peace of God, God's peace. Um, and then I have God's people, God's people. In other words, you could say this, godly counselors. So these are not people necessarily who are giving. Remember, this is about confirming a word, not, not getting a word. And so God can give a word through people. And we talked about that. And there's a, a, a New Testament word for that called prophecy. God can speak through people words that build up and encourage, right, and strengthen. That's New Testament prophecy according to Paul, 1 Corinthians 14. So, so there's that. But now we're talking about how do I know I've got a confirmation? Well, God can confirm it through people. And, and he does this a lot, how uh, Joel talked about last week, through a witness of the Spirit, where this is someone that you trust, that, they'll, that you share, I think this is what God's saying. And they say, you know, I feel a witness in my spirit with that, meaning, meaning I'm now going to confirm to you that, yeah, when you said that, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. But these are people, listen to me, these are people that you trust. And the Bible talks a lot about, in fact, the wisest, think about this, the wisest man who ever lived talked more about godly, getting godly counsel than anyone else. Think about it. The wisest, now if you're the wisest man who ever lived, you could make a case for, well, I'm wiser than them. So I don't need to ask them. But the wisest man who ever lived talked to us more about getting godly counsel. Let me give you two verses. That, uh, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 19, 20, it says, listen to, the counsel, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. And so here he's talking, he's like, you need godly counsel. 
You need godly counsel. Now, what does what was godly counsel? Listen, let me say it this way. You need godly counsel, not goodly counsel. Right? Um, you remember Rehoboam. So uh, Solomon had two sons, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam was supposed to take over as king, uh, but the, the people came to him and said, hey, we've been taxed pretty hard. It's, you know, building the temple and all. We're, we're tired. Um, could you ease some of the restrictions and some of the taxing of the people? And Rehoboam goes to the elders of Israel and says, this is what the word of God says. Uh, or this is what the people said. And they said this, listen, if you'll give them a break, they'll serve you and be faithful and the king, kingdom will flourish. But then Rehoboam had some young friends who he probably a, a, appointed to counseling positions because they were buddies. And he went to them and said, what do y'all say? And they say, you tell them that your little finger is heavier than your father's fist. So Rehoboam, being the idiot that he was, instead of listening to the elders, he found some people that he just liked what they were saying. Amen. Godly counsel, there you go. goodly counsel. And so he went with what they said and split the kingdom and Rehoboam ends up uh, king over Israel and Jeroboam ends up, ends up king over Judah. Right? Um, so how do I know what godly counsel looks like? Let me give you three things. It's motivated by love. In other words, you need to talk to someone that doesn't have a, a, a dog in the fight most of the time, right? In other words, somebody that can be unbiasedly motivated by the love of God. So now we're talking about a mature person, right? A mature person. And I mean mature in, in the Lord, <laughs> in Jesus, in their relationship with God, right? So motivated by love, grounded in the word, and tempered by grace, if you're looking for a counselor, that's somebody motivated uh, by love, grounded in the word, tempered by grace. Um, and you want someone who has understanding and wisdom. But let me give you a key. You want someone that knows God, knows the word of God, and knows you. Right? So you want somebody that definitely knows God and definitely, it amazes me so many times how I will hear believers and they are getting advice um, from people who are not really even believers, who don't really even go to church. And I'm like, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, Rehoboam. <laughs> Let's go back to the, the elders. Go back to our life group leader. Let's go back to the prayer team person. Let's go back to somebody over here that is giving godly counsel, not goodly counsel. Somebody that knows God, knows his word, and knows you. And you need somebody that knows you, somebody you can be vulnerable enough to, because uh, they need to be able to say, you know what, you, you struggle with patience, and I think you better wait. Right? Hey, this is what I know about you. This is an area of weakness with you, and I think you better hold off here. I'm not sure this is a word from God. Or this is a word from God, but I don't think this is the season for that word from God. So you need some people that know God, know his word, and know you. Let, let me give you the, the last confirmation. So we got God's word, his precepts. We've got his peace. We've got his people. And then obviously I'm working with peas today. So, um, so number four is God's produce. Produce. Uh, this one kind of has a double meaning. And, and here's, here's what I mean by it. When you, when you get a word from God, a couple things. Either A, what does it produce? Or what's the produce? What I mean by that is what's the fruit of it? 
What's the fruit? Um, so many times people will say, how do I know it's a word from God? And I'll say this, well, what did it produce in your life? Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Galatians 5.22 um, says, the Holy Spirit produces <laughs> this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so to me, when I have a word from God, it's going to produce fruit like that. In other words, if it's producing anger, <laughs> if it's producing guilt or shame or condemnation, then it's, it's not a word from God. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. It's kind of like we talked about the peace of God. Well, that's a fruit um, that's, that's something that God's word produces. I remember one time we had a leader in the church and, um, and this particular leader was a female and cause we believe in female leaders and, um, but, but she had gotten off. She's a great person, but it had kind of gotten off track and she was sharing words from God that, that were not producing any of this fruit. In fact, they were producing shame and condemnation and worry and fear and, and even some self-hatred. And uh, she had come to one of our pastors and said, I have a word for this man in the church. And that pastor had said, don't share that word. I, I don't believe that's a word from God. And so she went and shared the word. So now we have two problems, right? Two problems. And it's okay. We're here to help. We're here to, here to train and instruct in righteousness, right? One of the things we do as pastors is explain, explain the word of the Lord more perfectly, you know? And, um, and so uh, next thing we know, we, we've she's continued and shared two, two more words and they all produce the same thing. Not good, not good fruit, bad fruit. And so she and her husband end up, ended up in my office uh, because that's when I said, you know, maybe they're not understanding. Let me, let me help. And, uh, and so I sat down and I said, you know, talk to me about these words from the Lord. Well, I just knew this was the Lord. And well, tell me what the word was. Well, the word was this. Okay. Well, talk about this other city. Well, I just knew it was the Lord. And, okay. And I, I said, okay. And tell me that. Well, I just knew. And, and so I just looked at her and I said, and, and her husband's there. And I said, I, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but none of those are a word from God. There's not one thing you said that's a word from God. And of course, she was taken back, and she said, "Well, I don't understand." Then, then you know, I, this is God. I know God speaks to me, and and I said, "No, I can I can tell you, it's not a word from God because of what it produces." And I said, "I can also tell you that I know God's voice, and He would never say something like that." And I said, "Because the words that you've spoken have actually caused fear, and doubt, and and hopelessness, helplessness, condemnation, shame, and guilt." And I said, "God doesn't bring words. New Testament prophecy to build up, to edify, to encourage, to strengthen." I said, "So I I I don't I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I've got to help you as a pastor." And so I said, "I'd like to put you in a process to where we could figure out what's going on inside of you, because the Holy Spirit, I think, is trying to move out of you and trying to use you, but it's coming out bad." And we want to help you. Now, they weren't willing to do that, and they left the church, and that's okay. I hate that. They're good people, not bad people, but, but still, we, we, we want to put them in the process to, to, to restore. But this was the whole thing. I knew it wasn't a word from God um, because it produced the wrong kind of fruit. 
Because listen, God speaks the language, we've talked about this, but God speaks the language of reality. Meaning when God speaks, remember what, um, we talked about this, so I'm just putting some thoughts together here for you. God speaks reality, and remember when Jesus said the Holy Spirit, this is John 16, is gonna take what is mine, think about this, because now we're talking about like, there's something, there's something tangible, there's a reality here. He's gonna take something real that is mine and declare it to you. So now we're talking about a transfer of some type of reality, right? Like if I said, okay, I have a gift and it's mine, but I'm going to give it to Bill. I'm, I'm giving something that's mine, but now this is a tan- tangible transfer of reality. It's not, it's not ambiguous. It's not just a concept or idea, but it's bringing a substance. There's a residue to it. And when God speaks, there's a substance and there's a residue to it. And that residue should be congruent with his word. And so when I think I have a word from God, I can back up and say, I don't know, do I feel loved? Do, do I feel joy? Do I feel peace? Was that kind? Was that gentle? Because listen, God can correct you and you still feel love and you can still feel joy and you can still feel peace and you can still say, man, he is so kind to keep me from going off track. Do you see what I'm saying? So it could be you're the greatest person in the world, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Woo, I feel joy, you know, right? But it could also be, hey, hey, we need to work on this right there. And you can still be like, wow, thank you so much. I feel, that, that makes me feel safe to know that God's watching over everything and taking care. Remember when the angel of the Lord comes to Mary Gabriel comes to Mary and, and you know, you're going to have this child and, and she says, how can this be? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And, and then the word of the Lord says, and nothing with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Think about this. Here's what he said. Every word, this, if you break that down in the Greek, and then I'm going to give you what I think is a really clear translation. With God, every word from God has the power to fulfill itself. Why? Because it's a transfer of reality. It's a transfer. He's declaring what is his and he's taking what is his and declaring it to us. And so it has a residue to it. It has a fruit to it. God's word is a seed. So something then is transferred and planted. Right? This, this is why you need a word from God, just like Gideon, because you need the realities of God planted in your life to produce the purposes and promises, the fruit that God wants out of your life. This is why we need to hear from God, because we need to know what does God want to do in my life? What does God want to do through me? How is God leading me? That's one reason we need to hear. But the other reason is he takes a substance and plants it in my life. There's a divine exchange and encounter where God infuses my life with the reality and the power and the presence of heaven. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So we don't want to go through life not hearing God. Why? Because God is guiding us and directing us, but God is also putting in us purpose and reality and promise. And he's also putting in us the power to complete the purpose that comes from the promise. Are you with me? This is why we need to know it's God. And this is why God will confirm his word because God wants you to have the confidence to know that he is working and he has spoken and he has 
planted something in your life that's going to produce fruit when you nurture it, when you receive it, when you watch over it, when you water it with the word and confirm it and pray over it. God wants you to know he's speaking. That's why when Gideon comes to him and says, God, if this is you, Lord, give me a sign. God's like, go get your sacrifice. I'll wait. Because I want you to know that I am doing something in your life. I want you to know that this is me that is speaking to you. More than you want to hear God, God wants you to hear him. And that's why if you think you're hearing God, you say, God, give me a sign. He'll say, I'll wait here. Go get what you need. Come back. Get your prayer journal. Set aside some time. Get in the Word of God. Seek a counselor, right? Check for peace. Check for produce, right? For fruit, right? Just see what it produced. I, I want, I'll give you the sign because I want you to know that I'm speaking to you. Isn't he good? Isn't he gracious? Come on, give Jesus one more hand. He's so good. Why don't you stand with me if you're in the room and you can stand at home. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the word of God today. God, thank you so much that, that you want to speak to us today. God, that, that we can call out to you and say, give me a sign and you'll say, okay, I'll confirm my word to you because I want you to have confidence that you've heard me. Lord, today, right now, we just ask that you would speak to us. God, as we are leaning in, as we are listening, God, anything that you would like, we just take a moment where you ask, God, what do you, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me, God? And just let God speak. God, I just pray you speak to every person in this room and those in rooms all across the nation, wherever they're at. God, I pray that you would, you would speak. God, we want to hear you. And today, as, as we're listening for God in this room, and hopefully you're listening for God in your room, I just want to say, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're like, man, I, I would like for God to speak, but I don't think I know him, I don't, I don't think he knows me, then I want to encourage you right now in this moment to invite Jesus and, and, and to start a relationship with Jesus. Invite him into your life and say, God, I want a relationship with you. And it's very simple. You just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died and rose again. I want a relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me a new person, to help me to follow you for the rest of my life. And you make that commitment. Remember, the power is not in the prayer. The power is in the commitment. It's in the declaration that I'm going to follow Jesus. But you can make that declaration right now and, and, and God will speak to you. In fact, you may be hearing God already speaking to you. You just don't know what that is, but he's saying, hey, I want a relationship with you. And you feel something in here. Maybe it's a peace. Maybe it's a presence. It's a prompting. That's God speaking. So pray that prayer and then text connect to the number on your screen. We'd love to pray with you. I thank you so much for being here. Also, if you need prayer today, anyone who needs prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. We have people standing by. If you'll text that number on your screen, if you'll text prayer to that number, someone will be in contact with you and get you connected to one of our prayer people. We'd love to pray for you. If you need a miracle today, you need health today, you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, whatever it is, we'd love to pray with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for everybody in this room. So great to see some faces. We'll see some more next week. Anyways, God bless you. We love you so much. 
can't wait to see you. Until then, just trust God. Go take over your world. I believe the best is ahead. God bless you.